Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to the China Shop. We're opening up the shop today for shortened store hours. I'm, I'm shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. Kyle, how'd you trade today? I didn't. It's a holiday. It's Labor Day. Yeah. Right? Recording this Monday night. Said I performed labor and mowed my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the futures market was trading today in a nice tight range, I saw. Uh, yeah, I don't really mess around with stuff on reduced volume like today. Low volume days. Smart. Smart. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, uh, we're going to dive on in. Just take a second to tell you about the wonderful Sue Pullen, the proud sponsor of Two Bulls in a China Shop. Check her out for all your mortgage needs. You know where to find her. S. Pullen at ProMC.com. But uh, enough about lovely, beautiful, amazing women, Kyle. Let's talk about some news. <laughs> yeah. The stuff that we care about. <laughs> hey. Wait, what's going on? I care about Sue. Come on. <laughs> Not beautiful women. <laughs> We're just skip tubes trading information. What? Tubes trading information. I'm inclined to agree. Tubes trading information. That is accurate. Very accurate. What information? True. What? How do you banter again? I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> yes. What should we start with? Should we get the little stories out of the way first, and then we can talk about the big story? Yeah. Yeah. We're oh. gonna get around to talking about Bath. We're gonna get around to talking about Bed Bath and Beyond for sure. But until then, happy trades. Oh no! Wait. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's let's talk about some of the other news. Ah, uh, so. Looks like over in Australia, their Q2 surplus has been growing. Uh, so not everybody's experiencing, I guess, uh, the same, um, yeah, what is it, recessionary concerns, I guess you can call it. Um, let's see. They had uh, the data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics uh, from last Tuesday showed the surplus ballooned to $18.3 billion U.S. Aussie, not U.S. It's about $12.5 billion U.S., from 2.8 the previous quarter, it was just under their forecast of 20.8 billion. Uh, the exports of goods were up almost 15%. So most of that is from miners shipping more resources to Asian customers amid all the surging prices um, while their imports have been uh, tapering off after a strong march. So net exports added about a percentage point to the GDP above the initial forecast of 0.9. And the government spending also added about 0.1 as well. So GDP is looking pretty good in Australia. Wow. Their exports are going up. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it looks like it's raw materials. So um, maybe that's part of all of the, the trying to catch up from the, the crisis before when we couldn't find everything, couldn't make enough. Or is it because we couldn't ship it? The housing market got so hot, everybody wanted to build. So they're trying to buy as many materials. That uh, could be some of that too. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. The are still expecting the bank to continue hiking interest rates. Uh, they're expecting another seven bips on Tuesday. Uh, they markets over there are thinking that they should peak around three point eight five percent, given that inflation is at a twenty one year high over there of six point one percent, likely to top seven. But most analysts over there are not as hawkish. So I bring up Australia because I think I remember at some point uh, like Australia was like looked at as one of the leading indicators of what the markets and the economies are going to do. Am I completely insane for? Am I misremembering something, or is that? Did we talk to somebody about that? That sounds like something an Australian would say. Oh, maybe Anthony's just been polluting <laughs> us with misinformation about the strength of. <laughs> I know. I don't. I don't really see anything online for it. Ah, uh, shit. Maybe that was something Vico said in one of his market analysis reports. Mm. Mm, okay. Ah, crap. He does those every week too. That's going to be a really long. We'll have to reach out. Oh, I could. Yeah, I could just ask him. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, speaking of confidence, what's your story? Well, looks like uh, Binance, the largest crypto exchange in the world and issuer of the third biggest stable coin has decided they're just no longer going to support uh, the rival uh, USDC, the US dollar coin. Mm. And if you uh, have a Binance account and you have a USDC, they're just going to turn it into uh, the Binance coin, BUSD. Oh, that's nice of them. So that way you don't have to do anything about it? Yeah, you just have to sit and sit back and relax and, and they'll quietly get rid of their competitor. <laughs> At least they're not just saying, uh, you don't own your stable coins. We'll just go ahead and hold on to this forever and spend it. <laughs> we need these to pay our bills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Celsius. So uh, I guess, I don't know, pick your poison, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're also, they're getting rid of... Uh, Pax Dollar, USDP, and True USD, TUSD. So Binance making a big move. Uh, they're also going after Coinbase, undercutting mm-hmm. uh, uh, the fees, Coinbase fees. So oh, I th- thought fees were all standard part of the transactions. Yes, Kyle. They're all the same. They're all the same price to the middleman. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I'm sure they're tacking on more. It was something ridiculous too. I mean, I think I put in like three hundred dollars into a Coinbase account, and it cost me like five dollars to buy a hundred dollars worth of uh fuck what was it for i don't know one of the ones i bought of crypto yeah yeah wow five percent that's that's kind of insane yeah i i had the same experience Mm -hmm. i i mean i i didn't put in that much money at all and it was still like five dollars and i didn't realize it so i'd be buying like ten dollars a coin and it would charge me five dollars like oh Oh, god what did i do (laughs) i was trying to diversify son of a bitch Oh, wow. Diversify my $60, right? Right. <laughs> Diversify <laughs> it into 30 Yeah, real quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it looks like they want to go after Tether, which is uh, 44% of the market share of stable coins. Mm-hmm. So, is it actually stable? That's what they say. I don't know. Wild West, Kyle. Wild West. Yeah, right. No kidding. <laughs> That's how stable it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, last story I got before we get to the big Bed Bath & Beyond one is uh, OPEC. OPEC. OPEC made some headlines after getting together with all of its other little allies and uh, making a small trim to their supplies. It is basically rolling back a symbolic increase of 100,000 barrels per day that they did in September. 
Mm. And this is one of those things where you got to kind of read between the lines. Uh, the article is pointing out that this is basically OPEC saying prices are too low already right now. Uh, if it keep dropping, then we are going to take action and reduce output anytime we want to try to keep prices elevated. Yeah, they, I guess they can. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you control a large. I mean, they cut it. They cut it a hundred thousand barrels. All right, uh, that's per day. They, normally, they're putting out about forty three point eight million barrels per day. So the the cut is completely uh, symbolic. They 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 cut or they were adding. They cut one that they added from September. So in September, they they made a raise of a hundred thousand barrels. Oh, they were adding a hundred thousand, and now they're, they're they're stopping. This is the decision for October. The that decision for next month is going to basically yeah cut that out and go back to where they were. Wow. Okay. So they. So it's it's almost like a threat, is what it feels like. Mm, just so yeah, just so everybody knows, we are controlling the price of oil right now with our production. But that also, I mean, if you're trading oil, it'd be nice to know that you've got some people there <laughs> wanting making it go up. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. What I would like to know is what it's like to be an employee for one of these OPEC manufacturers. Are you like some days you show up and they're like, eh. You're fine. Just hang out. And some days you show up and they're like, we need to fucking get to work. Come on. Quick, quick, quick. We're increasing capacity. <laughs> right. Like, God damn, that's what it feels like. Ah, well, they shut us down for the day. Go home. Everybody go home. I mean, I wouldn't say it's on a daily basis. I mean, they're making their forecast for October already. I mean, maybe like you're scrambling at the end of the month trying to put your plan together and then hoping that <laughs> the next meeting doesn't, uh, doesn't affect your particular factory. Right. Refinery. Do they split it out between like every refinery or every producer? Good question. Good question. If you work for an OPEC company, let us know. Let's say there's a hundred thousand oil producing, uh, uh, like locations, like within all of OPEC's control. Does like everybody have to cut one barrel a day out? That's, that's some precision shit. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're run that tight of a ship. <laughs> right. <laughs> Also, if we learned anything about monarchies, more than likely it's going to be your output's going to be affected based on your friendship with the ruler. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure it's it's the output isn't how many barrels they actually create. It's how many they let out of the warehouse. Yeah, that's another good point, too. Take the month off. We, store, we stockpile enough. Yeah, right. You can have Christmas. <laughs> Christmas and Thanksgiving. Right. <laughs> good Lord. All right. Oh, Kyle, very... Uh, sad and an unexpected story uh, hit the news today. Oh, was that this morning that I saw that or was that yesterday morning? I think it was yesterday morning, but there a ton more hit hit today and mm. were updated. The Bed Bath & Beyond CFO has apparently jumped to his death from the 18th floor of his high-rise apartment. Oh, uh, man. Did they say why? There's no suicide note. It seems his wife witnessed him do it. Mm-hmm. So there's no suspicion of foul play, which, of course, mm. I saw floating around there. Right. Uh, floating around the Internet. Oh, I'm sure. There, it, apparently, the the, only, the th only things that can link it to, the only things, the, the major things, obviously, Bed Bath & Beyond is struggling to stay out of bankruptcy. Now, this guy had right. a history of being successful at Avon and Walgreens and Procter & Gamble. Mm -hmm. He was a big part of the team trying to transform the company along with Ryan Cohen. Mm -hmm. And apparently he's one of the defendants in a class action, sh in a class action suit lawsuit 
that accuses him and Ryan Cohen and other large shareholders of engaging in a pump and dump. I can't imagine that the lawsuit would have anything to do with it. Like that, well, it sounds to me like what you were saying, like he had a, a career that was looking pretty promising. Right. He was seen as the guy. Yeah. And then to admit failure, because we've seen that the board's been shifting plans, right? They basically decided yes. to dump Cohen's plan and, and do something else. And just shrink the stores and the, the workforce. Right. Well, there, there was another side to the lawsuit. It was also alleging that uh, stakeholders uh, such as the now deceased CFO, Gustavo Arnal, mm-hmm. that, that they were sharing fake revenue numbers for uh, their plans to spin off Bye Bye Baby. Now that sounds like something you'd jump off of a building for. Right? Yeah. Right? And we know sharing fake numbers is like the thing in business. That's exactly what companies in trouble do. We, we saw it with the uh, Royal Bank of Scotland, the mm-hmm. Bank of Bing- Iceland. Right. Yeah, we've seen it before. And also, too, you gotta be... You can rip off retail, of, you know, somebody for 20 bucks. You try to rip somebody off for 20 billion. Mm, yeah. yeah. It becomes a different game at that point. Maybe there's a reason they couldn't spin off Bye Bye Baby. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what it's starting to sound like, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Oof. I was afraid it was going to be something more like an IT crowd. Mm. <laughs> People are coming to investigate irregularities in the pension funds. In the pension fund, right. Hello. <laughs> God damn them. I almost made it through a story without a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so close. I tried. I tried. tried. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's echoes of the great depression though. We've got all this inflation and stuff not going our way economically. And now we got a a CFO jumping to his death as, as the, the company is in major turmoil. No matter what you take from this, it can't be good for the stock. Nope. Can't be right. good for the stock There's of the no company. Good way to spin that, I don't think. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what's happening there. <laughs> it's a little too somber. <laughs> Ireland has fined Instagram over $400 million. For what? You know, I always revel in anything that hurts Zuckerberg. So I love these stories. Oh, that's right. They own Instagram now, don't they? That's right. Meta, Meta owns Instagram, Meta platforms. Mm. Starting in the the investigation started in 2020, focusing on users between 13 and 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were allowed to operate business accounts. Oh, smart! You know, so they can be influencers. Yeah. Well, because they were operating business accounts, Instagram made their phone numbers and email addresses <laughs> public. Oh. And apparently that's a big deal in the EU. It should be a big deal here. It should be a big deal here, right? How many people? They didn't list the numbers. The only the only quote in the article from the regulator, the the data the Ireland's data protection commissioner said, We adopted our final decision last Friday and it does contain a fine of four hundred and five million euros, which is about four hundred and three million dollars or four hundred and two million dollars. That's right, the euro and the dollar almost. I think the dollar overtook it recently. Yeah, that's right. So it's more euros than dollars. Wow. What a weird world. <laughs> <laughs> right. I guess my decision to never cash in the, the currencies that I had for my visit, uh, was that back in 2008? Yeah. Was not a good financial decision. It's not paying off now, is it? No. <laughs> mm. 
So the regulator completed a draft ruling in December, and then it went through the EU's other regulators. And uh, yeah, it looks like they, they awarded it. There's over uh, the, the DPC in, in Europe regulates uh, Facebook, Apple, Google, all the, all the tech giants. Mm-hmm. And, um, and apparently it's opened over a dozen investigations into the meta companies, including Facebook and WhatsApp. WhatsApp's already fined 225 million euros last year for failing to conform with EU data. I saw the WhatsApp thing in there. I was like, wait, isn't that Facebook too? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. So Facebook bought all the companies one by one and then stuck in their own bullshit. And now we, the companies are getting fined one by one because none of this bullshit complies with European regulations. All right. Bullish on meta. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, meta. Well, I got to say when I was in Ireland, I may have mentioned it. Anytime I was surfing on the web, it it would like as soon as the web page loaded, it was like, "Do you want cookies? Yes or no?" If I said no, it it rejected all cookies. None of this had to click to a different page, and you have to individually unselect each cookie to be like. I love how when that, like it pops up and it's like uh, accept all cookies, yes or nothing else. Just <laughs> just right. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> all right, I'm not going back to you. Why are you hitting yourself, Kyle? Why are you hitting yourself? I know. Do you want me to stop? No or no. <laughs> yeah, so fucking, yeah, nice little story about how uh, horrible meta companies make the world. All right, folks, thanks for sticking around to the end. We uh, hope you learned something. I, I know I did. You're just going to end it like that? Well, what do you want to What do you want to say? Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> I just wanted I just wanted that to be in the, the, the clip <laughs> at some point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, folks, until next time. Happy training. Goodbye. <laughs> Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.